0: am excited to be here today. Um, last night's service, um, God showed up, and usually he does, but it was so precious last night. In fact, the sermon is titled, Look Up, and I almost feel like I need to have you guys right underneath that, because the Lord's added to that title, Look Up and See How Much You're Loved. He, he came last night and just it was just powerful, and he just poured his love. You just see the Holy Spirit just coming and just ministering to people. It was just really precious. So my expectations for him this morning from the bar last night went up. Because, you know, last night I was looking to see what he was gonna do, and I raised it high, but now when I saw what he did, I was like, okay, I see where your benchmark is. Now I want higher, because God always does exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think according to the power that works within us, Amen. All right, Um, well, we are in the Patriarch series, and um, we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 29, the latter part. We're going to kind of pick up where JT left off last week, and we're going to um, look at Genesis chapter 30 um, about midway through. Um, But before we get started, I want to ask a question. And if the truth be told, it's not really even a question I want to ask. It's actually the question that the Lord put on my heart was very clear and I believe sent me here this evening to ask all of you. And the question is this, who or what are you looking to that only He is able to give you? Let me ask it again. Who or what are you looking to that only He is able to give you? I just want that that question to be on the forefront of our minds because as we go through this teaching, you're going to see Uh, this question more and it's going to be developed more and hopefully you'll be able to walk away from this teaching tonight as I know many others spoke last night that they did and what I certainly have and that is to to realize that if we're looking to something or someone then we can't be looking at the Lord right and the Lord wants us tonight to look up to him because everything we need is going to come from him okay and as I was praying this question for us this week I felt like the Lord showed me I am asking this question not as a rhetorical question he genuinely wants us to answer it and the reason why is because he wants to come and be the answer and so I told him Lord if you're asking then that means you've got to show up and I don't want to come up on this stage and talk about how great you are to everybody and we just celebrate how great you were. I want us to be a people tonight or this morning that celebrate who God is now. So that's what I'm asking him for. And since he can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that, ever, that I could ever ask or think, here's my mark. Here's where I'm looking for him to hit. So let's pray. Father God in heaven, I want to just thank you for the privilege that it is to be in your house with your people, sharing your word. Father, I pray tonight, or this morning, just as we did last night, that you would come like only you know how. The expectations that I have, Lord, are great, but I know that you can exceed those. And every person in this room, Lord God, is going to have expectations built up. I pray that you would blow their minds with what you can do. Father, we've heard of your fame, as the psalmist says, renew your wonders in our day. I ask that you would make your name famous here today. Bring your glory. Remove me. And I ask that you would help me to to handle your word of truth accurately. Put power on my words, the words that you've given me to speak tonight, Lord God. And Holy Spirit, come and have your way. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. All right, so as I said, we're going to be looking at Jacob. Um, We're going to be looking at uh, Genesis um, chapter 29. And some of the people we're going to see in this chapter are Jacob, Rachel, Leah, some handmaidens, and some servants. But for our time today, the scriptures we're going to look at, our focus is going to be more on Rachel and Leah and Jacob and a few children. Now... um, I want you to go and read the in-between scriptures is what I'm calling them. Um, Because we're gonna look at Genesis chapter 30, the first couple verses, and then we're gonna jump to the middle of it around uh, the 20s. But the in-between teens um, uh, scriptures we're not gonna have a chance to read. I'm just not gonna have time to go through it today. But I want you to go back and read it, and here's why. When you go back and read it, you're gonna see more than what you're gonna see today in today's teaching, and that is you're gonna see things such as manipulation, favoritism, bribery, uh, jealousy, and probably some other things you're going to notice. And here's the deal. I want you to see them. And I know that sounds crazy because as a new believer, I didn't grow up in the church, so I didn't read the Bible. So uh, I came to Christ in my early 20s, and um, I was about 23 years old, and I... Begin to read the Bible. And when I did, I had this assumption that if I'm reading this Bible, who God is in, then everybody in it's going to be just like God. Uh uh-uh. uh. So, for you new believers, I just won't let you know. I began to read things and thought, are you supposed to do that? And I just thought, this is just odd. And then I realized, oh, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I I found myself honestly struggling with the fact that there were some people in the Bible who did things that I just think, what are you doing? I'm thinking, you know, if it were me and I was writing a book and I was like the author, who God is, of the Bible, I would like put put my best people forward. You know what I'm saying? I I mean, I I would want to bring out the best, but the Lord brings it all out. And here's why. Because God wants us to see that he's a perfect God who works through imperfect people and imperfect circumstances to bring about his perfect will. Amen? Oh my goodness. And that's so good for me to know because, I mean, as much as you might think me standing up here, well, she must be perfect. She's standing on a stage. Nope. I'm far from it. But God still uses me. Why? Because he's perfect and he can have his perfect way through us. And that's what I want us to see. Every time you look at the scriptures, that's what I want you to see when you're looking at people in the Bible and you think, what were they thinking? Just remember that God is a God who can work in spite of that, and he does. And we see this in the Patriarch series from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. We see God working his perfect will. It's in spite of all their runnings and hidings and finding somebody else to have a baby and and telling somebody else, this ain't my wife, it's my sister, and then she marries a king. God's like, I'm perfect. I know you're imperfect, but I'm still gonna have my perfect well. Now, as I say that, what I don't want you to think is that Linda is promoting imperfection. That once you become a believer and a follower of Christ, it's okay, God's perfect, do whatever you want. No, that is not what I'm saying. Look to your neighbor and say, that is not what Linda is saying. I'm not saying that. Don't you get me in trouble. Don't you take this out of context. <laughs> I'm saying that we don't have to focus on our imperfections, but we can look up and focus on a perfect God that in spite of us, if we let him, he'll work something beautiful and something perfect. And then we bring him glory when we do that. And that's an encouraging thing, amen? That's some good news, that's some good news. Yes, you clap, go right ahead. All right, so as we look at these scriptures, I want us to look at these because it's very easy for us to look at people in the Bible and especially with these patriarchs and be disappointed and almost become frustrated with them. But what I want to do is I want to look at their imperfecting, imperfections or their imperfect moments is what I'm trying to say and I want to look at those and call those teachable moments. So let's have teachable hearts, shall we? When we look at them, instead of being quick to pick up a, a stone to throw it at them in judgment, let's have teachable hearts and go, mm, Okay, that's what we shouldn't do. Because look what happens. Because I'm a parent of three boys, and that's the thing that I want. I want my boys not to look at me in judgment, but to look at me and go, I'm going to learn from my mom. She did this, and this just wasn't so great. So I'm going to learn from her mistake, right? And I'm going to do better the next time better than she did and that's what I want us to do as we look at these people and honestly church it's what we need to do with the body of Christ it's what we need to do not just with those that we read in here because I'm telling you from Genesis to Revelation we see imperfect circumstances and imperfect people but yet a perfect God working his sovereign will and um and and, and, and we need to use that as an encouragement. So let's, let's look at others in the body of Christ and other denominations and not judge them because we're told that we're not to judge others. We're to judge fruit, but not other people. There's one righteous judge and that's God. So let's make this applicable because this is something God is teaching to me today in this lesson as well as, as a rule in life, okay? All right, so as we look through he, uh, these scriptures and we see these imperfections, i'm gonna we're gonna look at those things and i don't want to shy away from them but what i want us to do and what i'm going to do here tonight is we're going to focus on their shining moments because believe it or not i know it may be a bit shocking jacob rachel and leah all have shining moments and in our shining moments and their shining moments we reflect the glory of god and so i want us to not shy away from the imperfections but learn from them those teachable moments with a teachable heart and then i want us to look at their shining moments and praise God for them. How's that sound? Sound good? All right, well, let's go ahead and get <clears throat> into the uh, scriptures we're gonna be looking at today. <clears throat> Before we do, I wanna just share this for those of you who weren't here last week, uh, and you didn't hear JT's message, which was excellent, by the way. So I highly recommend going to VCDC website, hit the menu, go in, hit sermons, and you can hear any sermon at any time that you miss. Um, but just to give backdrop before we start reading, because you won't quite understand where I'm going if you don't know where, where we came from. <clears throat> and that is this. Jacob um, went to his uncle Laban's, uh, for those of you who remember, and he um, saw Rachel, which is actually his cousin. He's in love with her, and he wants her as a wife. So he asks his uncle Um, for her hand, basically, a marriage. And uh, his uncle says, sure, but you'll have to work for seven years for her. So he works hard for seven years for free for this woman that he loves. And so he finally, wedding night, it's his time, he's supposed to have her, but yet he wakes in the morning, and behold, it's Leah. It's not Rachel. Jacob got tricked. So he's hot, not happy at all about it. So he goes to Laban, and Laban basically says, um, oh yeah, sorry, forgot to mention, the first The older gets married first. But you can still have Rachel just work another seven years for me. So Jacob, because he loves Rachel so much, says, okay. So the man works 14 years for free just for this woman. And then he's got this other one. Okay? Kind of like something that gets caught on the bottom of your shoe that you're walking through in a parking lot. You know, a piece of gum or... If there were animals there, you can imagine what you would step in. So that's kind of what Leah is to Jacob, something I got that I didn't want. But Rachel, I love. So let's keep this in mind as we look at the text here today. We're going to read in Genesis 29, starting in verse 31 through 35. And we're going to break these scriptures down because there is so much in them. We're just going to take them one step at a time. All right, verse 31. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he enabled her to have children, but Rachel could not conceive. Stop right there for just a moment. Anytime I read the word of God and I see God, I see the Lord, I stop and I give him some glory. I take note of where I see him. And I want us to take note here that the Lord saw that Leah was unloved. I wonder how many of you here have come this morning and you feel unloved. Maybe it's a spouse like Leah, maybe a parent, maybe in laws, maybe a child. You feel unloved. I want you to look in these scriptures and I want you to see who God is. And He's the same God today as He was yesterday and He will be tomorrow. He's a God who notices when we're unloved. And not only does he just notice that and sees that, but he enables her to conceive. He blesses her with children. And this is a very big deal. This is a very big deal. Because in this culture, um, women were basically property. Uh, and their one job was to produce children. And not only children, but boys. Because boys carried on the name girls were just property to somebody else that they would never have again. So it's a big deal. So the Lord enables Leah to have children. And he sees that she is unloved. Let's keep reading. Verse 32. So Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben. For she said, The Lord has noticed my misery, and now my husband will love me. Again, the Lord notices her misery. The woman's miserable. The reason she's miserable is because we weren't created to be unloved. We're created to be loved. So here she is. She has high hopes. I have a son. I'm going to name him Reuben. Now my husband's going to love me. And remember, this is a big deal because she not only had a child, she had a boy. And it was interesting last night, as a side note, um, some girls came um, and uh, to the pastor's welcome. They were visitors, and they were from the Middle East. Where's Bill? Is Bill? In yes. Where are they from? Do you know? Where in the Middle East? Okay, he, he he doesn't know either. But they came up to me and they said, you know, where we're from, and they said what it was, and I can't remember. And they said, it's still that way. And I was like, what? Did anybody not get the memo? It's the 21st century. But they said, yeah, not as as much as it was with their mother and their grandmother, but they said, oh, with, with, with our mother and our grandmother, that's exactly the way it was. And they said, in fact, um, if, if you had a boy, then as a woman, you were allowed to have a voice and speak among, amongst men. What? That's just, I mean, okay, so here Leah is. I have a son. Now my husband will love me. Let's see if Jacob does love her. Let's get to the next verse. Soon she became pregnant again and gave birth to another son. She named him Simeon, for she said, The Lord heard that I was unloved and has given me another son. Did she get Jacob's love? No, she didn't. But the Lord heard. It's funny, I was pondering that word this morning in my prayer time as I was talking to the Lord about these scriptures again, and I didn't notice before The Lord saw that Leah was unloved, but now he heard. Who was talking? How did he hear it? Was Jacob vocal about it? I don't know. Did he hear Leah in the tent, sleeping by herself, possibly crying? Again, this God is our God today. Whatever it is in you that you are in need of, whatever misery you have, whatever pain it is, the Lord not only sees you and does something, but he hears you. And I'm expecting him to do that today for each one of us in whatever that is. So the Lord hears that she's unloved. So let's read verse 34. Then she became pregnant a third time and gave birth to another son. His name was Levi. For she said, Surely this time my husband will feel affection for me since I have given him three sons. We got to stop for a minute here on this one. Uh uh. Uh uh. When I read this verse, when I first read it in preparation, I literally had to stop and just cry. I I literally had a crying session for Leah because it broke my heart. All I thought to myself was wait a minute. How did you go from Reuben, and now my husband to love me, to Levi? Maybe now my husband will feel affection for me. Because according to um, dictionary.com, affection means a gentle fondness or liking. What in the world? It was, I want his love, but now if he could just... Just gently, not like passionately like me, but just just if you could just gently like me. maybe, Maybe now he'll just gently be fond of me, have a gentle feeling of fondness for me. There is a lesson of lessons for us to get here, and I want to make sure that we hear it, and it is this. Anytime we look to anything or anyone to give us only what God can give us, we will always lower the bar. I want his love. Woman, you need his love and you should have his love. He is your husband. But she drops the bar. Why? Because she's looking to Jacob for what only God can give her. And this is a lesson that we need to learn. And I want us to look at it in Ephesians 3.18. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should how wide and how high and how long and how deep his God's love is for us. I want you to take note of that we would have the power to understand. Listen, God's love is so great, you've got to have power to understand it. And not only that, as all God's people, we should. We of all people should know God's love, but we've got to have power to understand that. So that tells me that that his love is so great. And so we need to make sure that our cup gets filled with God's love. Because otherwise, we're going to look to other things and, and, just, and just come up empty-handed every time. Every time. Now, i got to say, I have a husband who loves me. And I feel very, very blessed. Not only does he love me, but he shows me. He proves his love to me. I see it. But I'm going to be honest with you. He knows this, and I know this. Nobody not even my husband, who really loves me, can fill the love in me that I was created to have that only God can fill. And something else that God's really been teaching me lately, and, 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 and it really began to get cracked open through a book that I did in my women's group uh, by Ann Voskamp, and the book is, is titled um, One Thousand Gifts. But but what God's been teaching me and and, and, and helping me to realize is that something that she, she puts so eloquently in words and it's this fear is but a notion that God's love ends fear is but a notion that God's love ends and God began to show me Linda when you don't know how wide how high how deep and how long my love is for you when you're not understanding that you operate out of fear which always leads to dysfunction. I encourage you to check it, see if it isn't true in your life. Because I know for me, if if my love cup isn't full, I'm gonna be expecting it from other people and other things. But God says, I'm the one that gives it, and I give it so much that you've got to have power to understand it, and we should, as God's people should. But Leah, she doesn't. She doesn't know. So let's turn and look and see what happens. Next verse, verse 35. Once again, Leah becomes pregnant and gave birth to another son. She named him Judah, for she said, now I will praise the Lord. And then she stopped having children. I love it. Here's Leah's shining moment. Here's her shining moment. Does she have Jacob's love? Nope, but what does she do? She looks up and she praises the Lord. I'm gonna praise you. Do you know that's, that's the secret to overcoming our disappointments and things we want that's not happening or coming in the time or the way we want in life? Is that we look up and we praise the Lord. Do you know why? Because when we praise the Lord for what he's done, then we have hope for what we're waiting on him to do. Amen? And so here she is, she praises the Lord. I love it. I think Good girl. Way to go, Leah. So proud of her. And that's what we need to do when we're not getting what we so desperately need. And, and honestly, she, she should have it. A husband should love her wife. Jacob should be, but he's not. She praises the Lord anyways. Doesn't matter. I'm not getting what even I'm supposed to have. I'm still going to praise the Lord anyways. That's what we need to do. We need to do the same thing. Now, when you go back and you read those in-between scriptures I was talking about, she's going to get derailed a little bit. And I was a little discouraged when I read that. I was like, no, 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 Leah, stay looking up. But that's what the Lord showed me all my children do that. They look up, they praise me, and then all of a sudden in the corner of their eye, they see something or someone and they catch the glimpse and then they start to focus and they look and the eyes are off me and they're back to where they were. But you know what the cool thing is? All we got to do is look back up. All we got to do is look right back up and see that love that he wants to pour out upon us. All right. So now we're going to move on to Genesis chapter 30. We've seen Leah's shining moment. We're about to see Jacob's. And let me just say this to you. While I was going through this and I'm looking for shining moments, I was struggling a little bit for Jacob because I was like, okay, in all honesty, there was a lot going on. I mean a lot going on. And Jacob wasn't really saying anything. And I was like, okay, I know that guys don't speak as much as women. And, you know, they're kind of more on the quiet side for the most part. Not all. I'm not, don't, please don't be offended if I'm trying to stereotype men. But I just was like, can you just please say something? Something. And do you know the Lord showed me, Linda, he does. And he says the right thing at the right time. And we're going to see it here after Rachel's response. Let's, let's read Genesis chapter 30, verse 1. When Rachel saw that she wasn't having any children for Jacob, she became jealous of her sister. She pleaded with Jacob, and she said, "Give me children, or I'll die." Whoo! Those of you in this room who are married, when your spouse is like, "Give me something," don't you feel like, "Okay, all right, let me let me figure this thing out. Let me let me try to do something, right?" So here she is: "Give me children, or I'll die." I'm a visual person, so I couldn't help but think. I wonder if this conversation didn't happen in their tent. And out in the tent was the children and, and the handmaidens, and maybe, you know, uh, who knows who else. And, and I just wonder if they didn't hear this yelling going on in the tent and thought, oh, Rachel's mad again about the kids. We got to get out of here. Let's go see the sheep. You know, I, I mean, I, I just I wonder what was going on. But it's a heated conversation. This isn't some little lover's quarrel, she is intense exclamation point she says give me children or i'll die and you know what she's thinking you can give it to my sister then give it to me and here comes jacob's shiny moment are you ready verse two i love it so she pleads to with jacob then jacob became furious with rachel and he says am i god oh that's a shining moment way to go jacob because here's the deal in this comment, he's letting Rachel know who he is and who he isn't. Listen, I'm Jacob. I'm not God. And there's a lesson for us to learn here, too, because every time we look at someone who's closer to God than we are, we will look for them to be a God when we're not looking to God. Does that make sense? Every time, and that's exactly what she's doing here, she's looking to Jacob because he's closer to God than she is, and she's saying, give me children or I'll die. And I love that he says, am I God? Wonderful, wonderful, because we do that. We look to a spouse who's closer to God than we are. Maybe a parent, a friend, a mentor, small group leader, And we most definitely do it with our pastors, don't we? You're closer, it's gotta be you. You gotta be the one to speak to this person and you gotta be the one to pray and you gotta be the one to come and help me and you gotta be, it's you, it's you, it's you. I love it. I'm so proud of him. Just, oh, am I God? No. And the flip side to that is we need to be careful that when someone we really love is in a desperate place, we don't try to become a God don't you do it. You turn their face toward God. You encourage them with words that they need to look to the only one who's able to give them what they need. And it's not us. Now hear me when I say this. God will use us. He'll use people and he'll use circumstances. But only after we look to him first and then he brings it. But we start looking to other things and not to him. Disaster of all disasters. Look at the patriarchs. And you will see how they had their own God moments and didn't consult God and the messes that it made. They're in it right now, in my opinion. I think if Laban would have looked up, he'd have never, ever tricked his future son-in-law and look at the mess they're in. So let's be careful that we don't do that either. So here's the question, and this is the question that God has to ask us, that Jacob asks her. Or tells her, He is the only one able to give you children. I wonder who came here today who could fill a blank in for themselves. He's the only one able to give you children. What would you fill in that blank? What are you looking to or who are you looking to to give you only what God can give you? And let me say this, precious one, he wants to, he longs to, if we just look up. Whenever we look to other people or other things to fulfill only what God can give us, we're gonna always come up empty-handed. So the question becomes, what will we do in light of that? that which we so greatly desire, what will we do? Well, I believe the Lord tells us in Jeremiah 2.13, and it's this. For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns, which are empty wells, that can hold no water at all. First of all, what I want us to take note of is that God calls this, forsaking him and digging empty wells, evil. Hmm. Okay, in my mind I have things that I think are evil. It's not forsaking God. But he calls it evil. Some versions will say sin. Whatever, it, whatever version it is, it's an evil sin. And reason why is because God knows we'll begin to operate out of dysfunction for a need that only he can fill and we're, it, we're just going to naturally start to sin. This cistern, this cracked cistern, so that you can kind of get an idea of it, um, as I was doing some research and digging, um, funny, digging, digging about, looking up for digging wells, um, one, of the, one of the things that a cracked cistern was was like a very large Uh, container that had a lid on it. But more often than not, it was talking about literally a well. Definitely in this scripture, uh, in this context, it's talking about a literal well, um, uh, a pit. And um, it was also known as a dungeon. I found that interesting because isn't it true that when we dig empty wells, they become our prison and our dungeons? Isn't that true? So, um, this is what what I found. And another interesting note that I thought uh, you might enjoy to know is that um, in Jerusalem, near the temple, there was a public cistern. And it was estimated to hold 2 million gallons of water. That's a big well. And I couldn't help but think, Lord, how many of us have dug and dug and dug a well as big as that? And it can hold no water. So this empty well that the Lord is talking about here in Jeremiah 2.13 is a serious thing. And I want to make sure that each of you know that we have the most anointed teaching on empty wells in this scripture in particular. And our pastor Danny Meyer teaches on it. And it's called the Gospel of Wholeness. It's a resource made available to us. He's preached it. If any of you have been here long enough, you've heard it, and it's good to hear it over and over because we need to be reminded because we're easy to be distracted and look to other things and not look to the Lord. But it's out there on the cart, uh, the book cart, if you want to get a DVD or a CD. But I highly recommend it because my teaching is not on Jeremiah 2.13. As much as I'd love to just sit here for the rest of the afternoon, I can't. We've got to move on. But Danny teaches in there about the importance of, of knowing how to even get out of these wells. So I want you to make sure that you, if you don't have that resource and you haven't heard it, please make sure that you get it. So here's the question I want to ask all of us. Because as, as the Lord has me asking this question, truth be told, it's not just for you guys, it's for me too. Please don't mistake me being mic'd up here thinking I've got this. I don't. My heart's right there in those seats, right there with you, wanting to learn this. So here's the questions I ask us tonight. Who or what are you looking to to fulfill a need that only he is able to give you? Do you have a shovel in your hand? Have you been digging lately? If so, have you found it yet? Is the thing you're forsaking God for fulfilling in you all that you need? Because our Bible tells us, Philippians 4.19, that our God shall supply all all our needs according to his glory and his riches in Christ Jesus. All our needs, the ones you know and the ones you don't even know. And he's gonna answer them and supply them according to his glory. Okay, just a note. uh, His glory is so great that man cannot be alive and look upon it. He's meeting some need. So, How about we put our shovels down? We look up and we return back to the Lord. Let's look at the last verse before we close. We have got to see Rachel's shining moment. And it's going to be Genesis chapter 30, verse 22 through 34. Then God remembered Rachel's plight and answered her prayers by enabling her to have children. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son. God has removed my disgrace, she said. And she named him Joseph, for she said, may the Lord add yet another son to my family. I love it because the Lord remembers Rachel. Sometimes we can wait for God for so long for something that we think he's forgotten. He doesn't, he remembers. Just as he remembers Rachel, he's gonna remember you. Now we've gone through these verses In approximately 35 minutes but this was a long period of time long lots of children being born and there's some in between we didn't even touch on because we jumped some scriptures long time and another thing I want us to notice in here is that God not only answered her prayers and remembered her he removed her disgrace he removed her shame this is the God we serve this is what he does And here's the cool thing. Here's the shining moment for Rachel. In the beginning of this chapter, which was years previous, she's looking to Jacob saying, give me children or I'll die, right? But now, the scripture says, God answered her prayers. Somewhere between yelling at Jacob to give me children. And Joseph, she began to pray and look up. To the one who can give her only that which she so desperately wanted, and that was children. God gave it to her. This is Rachel's shining moment. I love it. Every one of them looking up. So here's the question again, precious one. What in the world did you come here tonight that you need? This morning? He's going to meet that need. He wants to meet that need. Let's stand. I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and do what he wants here today. Holy Spirit, we just invite you here right now to come, just as you've been here throughout the message, we ask that you would come now in this time of ministry and show us what you want to do. I'm just going to be quiet for just a minute. I'm just going to wait on the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I I, I don't typically do this, but the Lord is pressing it on me so hard that if I, if I don't be obedient, if I'm not obedient right now, I will regret it forever and I want to be obedient. Um, I don't typically single uh, anyone out. That's not usually how God ministers through me, but um, just throughout the sermon, um, I, I'm, I'm noticing the young man in the blue uh, sweatshirt there with the white strings. Um, and um, I just, I feel like the Lord wants you to know that he's pursuing you with his love. and i don't I don't know if you're seeking it or if it's not even on your radar, but I just want you to know that the Lord is coming after you to show you how much He loves you, and that love is going to prepare you for something that's going to propel you into something greater than you ever can see. And I don't know if you're in a season of life right now where you're trying to figure things out or you're looking toward the future. i, I have I have no idea, but the Lord has only showed me that He's coming. Um, in hot pursuit to show you how much he loves you and that love's gonna propel you into something that's in the future that I get a sense that's gonna be like game changing for the kingdom of God. So um, if, if maybe some people around this young man, what's, what's your name? Austin? Austin, nice to meet you. Um, if, if some people maybe uh, would like to gather around him or if you're over here and you feel like, yep, I'm, I need to go pray for Austin, gather around and ask the Lord to bless Um, what he wants to do in Austin and just agree with what the Lord wants to do there. So why don't you go ahead and do that? And I'll just keep waiting, seeing what the Lord wants to do here. So go ahead and gather around Austin. Austin, can you raise your hand so people over here that might want to come and pray? Thank you, sorry. Okay. Michael?
1: Uh, Just sitting in the back um, uh, watching a YouTube video. No, I'm joking. (laughs) Just want to see if you're listening. That's my little test. But... Uh, just had a scripture come to mind this happened last night. And I just felt like the Lord said yeah And it's the same today is just uh, I think it's John 5 17 where Jesus says to uh, The Pharisees they're they're getting on his case about this You know about the Sabbath and when do we you know when should we work when shouldn't we work and your disciples and all this stuff and Jesus makes this comment. He says my father is always at work mm-hmm. and and when I when I heard that it was like my inside of me I just came to attention because because suddenly I looked at all of us and everything changed because if that's true, that means right now, God is at work. Like, I love that, what you just said about Austin. Like, God is at work pursuing Austin. We well, you know what? God is pursuing all of us today. Mm-hmm. And I, and I mm-hmm. asked him, I said, well, what, yep. what's the work that you're doing? I mean, what are you doing today? And I had two pictures come to mind. One of them was I just saw people bent over with like a, you know, weighted down by this huge backpack of worry, of anxiety, of fear, of whether it's to do with your business, whether it's to do with your kids, your marriage, the world. I mean, just weighted down. I saw Jesus just taking all these rocks out of this pack and just lightening your load because you're carrying something you're not built to carry. And if that's you, we we really want to pray for you today. But then the other one was just the the picture Linda had of of the people with the shovel in their hand. I saw him walking up to lots of people, took the shovel out of your hand, Mm. took your hand and just pulled you in close and just put Mm. his arms around you. Thank you, Lord. And you know what we all need? I don't know about you, but every day, I need His love. I need mm-hmm. to be reminded of His love. And there's people here today, you just need to be reminded mm-hmm. of how much He loves you. You don't, you don't have to do anything but respond uh, to that call and just let Him, mm-hmm. let him love you. So,
0: mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Okay. Um, thank you, Michael. So, um, how do we want to do this? If what Michael said is speaking to your heart and you're like that that's me we're just going to do ministry time where we're right where we're at and here's why usually we ask people to come forward and sometimes we'll have them in the seats but here's what i feel like god keeps saying i want them to know i'm going to come to them like you, you you don't even have to come to me i'm coming to you in fact i'm running to you so if what michael uh said if you're like that's me would would you lift up your hand and let people around you pray if that's you would you raise your hand right here bless you We've got more. Look around. Leave your hands up, folks, for me, please, so that those around you can see. Can you see them? Just begin right now to move and gather around those people and pray for them. And one last thing, I, I, just, I keep getting a sense from the Lord and, and um, that, that I, I keep, keep hearing is that when I talked about imperfection, there were some here today that felt like uh, that's me. I'm focused on my imperfection. Um, and therefore, I can't be used by God. And the Lord is saying that you've got more of a problem with your imperfection than he does. In fact, he, he doesn't have a problem with it at all. Because he knew what he got when he got you. And he wants you. So imperfections, just your messes and things that you feel like, oh, I'm just not getting it right. You've kind of just, just put yourself in neutral with the Lord in the kingdom. You're just kind of coasting. And the Lord's going, "Mm -mm. the day is drawing near. I need my warriors to stand up and bring my kingdom. And so the enemy wants you to stay in that neutral place to think that I'm I'm imperfect. But the Lord is saying to you, "I I don't have a problem with that. You do. So come to me and let me have my perfect work, my perfect way in your life. If that's you, raise your hand. Anybody feel that? There we go. Bless you. Okay, keep your hand up. Anybody else? They're right here, right here. Okay, hands are up. People around, would you please go and 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 just bless what the Lord's doing, just just releasing on um, them from that lie of imperfection that they have to be perfect and they're too imperfect to serve God. God works in spite of that. Thank you, Lord. Mm, thank you, Lord. Hmm. Hmm. Let's ask you to release your love. Let's open up the heavens. Just as you, Jesus, ran the heavens and you came down, come down today with your love. We ask for more, Lord. Mm, Thank you, Lord. More, Lord, your love. Like a blanket that envelops us. You are love. Let us feel that love. Thank you, Lord. come Holy Spirit we've heard of your fame renew your wonder today for you are good and you only do good For those of you who are remaining here now, we're going to close and I'd like for you to open up your hands if you don't have them open already. It's just a symbol to say, I'm just opening up, Lord, because I want to look up and I want to receive your love. I want whatever is in my hands to be given up and I want to just, I want to look to you, the only one who can give it. So Father, I pray that you would see your children their open hands and their open hearts to receive from you only that which you can give it was your question you asked lord and you told me it wasn't some rhetorical question you were wanted it asked because you were coming to answer it to be the answer i pray with the authority given to me by jesus christ that that answer would come for you today in jesus name more of you, Lord. With your hands, would you gently cup each one of our faces and cause us to look up to you. The lover of our souls. The only one who can give us what we truly need. Thank you, Lord. We ask this in the mighty In loving name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, amen.